When Haiti was in grade two, she kept a diary for school. And in it, she wrote about her social life. April 19th, I got five friends. <laughs> I played with all of them on Sunday and Saturday. They are fun to play with. I like them. I only hate two of them. <laughs> That's Haiti reading from her elementary school diary. I'm Dan Meisner, and this, this right now, is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. How are you doing tonight? It's very, very, very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at the Victoria Event Center in Victoria, B.C., we have strong feelings about Bill Gates, a very unusual birthday card, poetry about a long plane ride, and much, much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it can help us understand who we are today. So think about who you were when you were a kid and stick around. A minute ago, we heard from Haiti, who only hated two of her five friends. Well, that was not the only elementary school diary entry Haiti shared at our Victoria show. Here she is with a couple more entries, all written when she was in grade two. Well, this is my... uh... Diary from grade two, Victoria, 1970 to 71. Yeah. I actually live in Comox now, so it's kind of cool to read this here in Victoria. <laughs> okay, November 30th. We went to an interesting place. It was where all the armies lived. There were 46 things over there. <laughs> It was quite fun. (laughs) January 15th. We had fun. I made a snowman. I was in Victoria when this happened. I made lots of angels. We had a film. We had a snowball fight. We had a snowball fight with Mrs. Gledhill's class. I hit Mrs. Gledhill. (laughs) March 2nd. Our friends came over to my house and spended the night. I saw a squirrel. (laughs) And it was in a tree eating a nut. The tree was right beside a rock. (laughs) We went to my mom and dad's friend's house. The house is an A-frame. It is a pretty house. And every time I go to his house, he gives me Coke and cookies and Smarties. Then after I got home, I saw a little pussy. It kept on going through my legs. It likes me, that's why. It would not stop going through my legs. I went back home. It followed me to my house. It must have liked me a lot. When I got to school, I finished my work. I drew a picture. I read my book. I read my story. I live close to a great, big, big rock. (laughs) 
in the summer, it is real, real warm up there. Then I get to eat lunch up there on the real, real big rock. There are two parks near to me. I want to go to both of them. I have lots of fun, that's all. At school, most of the time, I have corrections. I hate corrections. My friend got all her work wrong one day, but now she knows better. <laughs> one day, I got five wrong. At home, I play hide-and-seek and go, 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 stop. Ah, oh, Okay. <laughs> And the last one, April 29th. I was riding my bike down Cobb Lane and in the parking lot and in Salisbury Road and in the yard. Then I put my bike in the basement. (laughs) When I went to my swing, I went really high. I never went that high before. (laughs) It was fun. Then I got off again. I went up to the great big rock. I never went too high because it was too cold at the top. I kept on slipping, but I hung on so I wouldn't fall. When I came home, I had supper. Thank you. Extreme temperatures on that rock, huh? When Nicole was 15 and just about to turn 16, she kept a diary, a private diary. And at our Victoria show, she shared three different entries. One involves an encounter with her boyfriend, who is older. We're going to hear uh, some thoughts about Bible camp and her religious views. And we're going to hear something else. Please welcome Nicole back to the Grown Up Street Things They Wrote as Kids stage. Okay, so I'm from a small town, so all the names have been changed. (laughs) On Friday, Peter and I went out again. He took me to Jiggers, my first time in a bar. It was okay. Actually, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) Later, I thought it was funny that we had to stop, a pit stop. Poor Peter. Oh, well. The next day, parents left for Edmonton and left my brother and I with the kids. I had a much younger brother and sister. After we bathed them and put them to bed, I went out to Jiggers again with Peter and his friend Tim. I got ID'd and I didn't get in, so Peter and I took off. Instead, we went to the sand dunes and we talked for a few hours. Then we went to pick up Tim and we couldn't find him, so we went to my house. We got in the house and I put my sister in her own bed. She was on the couch and told my brother to move from his chair to sleep and go to bed. Peter and I went in my room and we were just laying there talking a couple of hours. Or we kissed. But we talked a lot too. It started to get really late, so he just decided to stay the night. It was about 6.30 a.m. He was feeling all grubby wearing his shirt, so he took it off. (laughs) Rather, I helped him. Eventually, mine came off, too, and we just lay there and we talked. 
and then we were necking for hours. (laughs) My parents would kill me if they knew he stayed the night. We didn't fall asleep, but we talked a long, long time. I really care about him. I just love looking in his eyes and hearing the giggle that comes with his laugh. He kept repeating the words to this song, I feel good, and it was so cute. He is so adorable, and all I do is think about him constantly, so much that it probably interrupts what I'm doing, and I just can't concentrate. I better go, because I could go on about the things I love about him. Good night, XXX. Tomorrow, I'm leaving to counsel at Bible camp. I'm not completely convinced that I'm the right candidate for the job. <laughs> Look at the life I've been living lately. <laughs> I'm not ashamed or guilty for it, but it goes against all the beliefs of my church. And maybe I'm a bad influence on the kids. I think I could do it, but I only want what's best for the kids at the same time. (laughs) So at camp, I had to do devotion every night. And my mom signed me up for this. I did not sign up for this. And so I had to do devotion with the girls in the cabin every night. And so I would gather them around, and they would sing, Amen, Amen. Amen, 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 hallelujah, a, and so it go on. And while they're doing that, you, you could sing it. <laughs> Heavenly Father, full of grace, bless my boyfriend's foxy face. <laughs> bless his hair that always curls and keep him safe from other girls. Bless his hands so big and strong and make them stay where they belong. Or not. Bless his eyes that shine like stars and make him love me more than cars. And my last entry, I think that it would be neat to have my diary someday made into a movie if anyone thinks it's good enough to do that. There you go. You have my permission. (laughs) And right here I've got my permission slip, which says, I, Nicole, hereby give my permission to have my diaries made into a movie, no matter what my family says. Well, gotta go. Catch you later. Oh, yeah, only if I'm dead. Deceased signature (laughs) right here. (laughs) Excuse my spelling, please. Thank you. Nicole, in the movie of your life, who would play your shirtless older boyfriend? (laughs) There's a certain stereotype about teenagers, that they can be moody or cranky or irritable. And at least some of that stereotype, I think, is rooted in the very real experience that teenagers have as they start to get outside themselves and begin to understand the broader world around them, both the good and the bad parts of society. 
When Zebariah was 17, he had to write a short essay for a high school equivalency English class. And he titled his essay, Three Things That Irritate Me Most in the World. And we're going to hear what those things are right now. Please welcome Zebariah to our stage. A quick heads up, Zebariah's essay includes a cuss word, which we do not bleep. There are three things in the world that really irritate me. The Oscars, Starbucks, and Bill Gates. These three things really get me annoyed and fuel inside me a burning furnace of hatred. The Oscars irritate me because it's an award ceremony which bows down to Hollywood. The nominations are usually a joke with no comedy awards and only recognition for big-budget star-studded movies. Finally, this year, independent films and filmmakers are being acknowledged, with four out of the five nominations coming from the independent, non-Hollywood sector of filmmaking. For many years, the Academy has been a bunch of idiot savants who wouldn't know a really good film if it walked up to them on the street and said, Hello, I'm a really good film. (laughs) These are the main reasons I hate the Oscars. A hatred which runs deeper for me than my hatred of the Oscars is my hatred for Starbucks. Starbucks is an evil corporate entity which strives on serving shitty coffee and devouring small independent coffee shops. Starbucks was once good, a small coffee shop named after a character in Moby Dick, but then it began to grow. It expanded, drawing throngs of yuppies for their tall, skinny lattes. Then other coffee shops couldn't compete with the cool image and fancy mugs. They started to go out of business. Starbucks has had tasted blood and it wanted more. (laughs) Committees were devised to go forth and find already thriving cafes in order for Starbucks to open up across the street in hopes of running the competition out of business. Not a single Starbucks was franchised, and its workers weren't unionized, the greedy president and CEO wishing to keep all extra money for himself. But this would be his downfall. As Starbucks' expanded quality was spread thin, with no one person taking a special interest in any one location, and workers feeling underpaid, and as a result, unmotivated, kinks started to appear in the evil corporate entity, which is Starbucks. Customers began to complain that consistency was varying from store to store, and indeed from drink to drink. Complaints were also made that employees were rude and ill-trained. Slowly but surely, the Starbucks entity is crumbling. Soon to you no more than a rude corporation being run out of business by the next corporate monster. Finally, there is my hatred of Bill Gates. If possible, I hate Bill Gates more than any other single human being on this planet. His attempted domination of the world computer market and further attempts at running Apple computers out of business make me hate Mr. Gates with a special loathing. I believe that Bill Gates is possibly the third antichrist predicted by Nostradamus so long ago. (laughs) If Bill Gates were to die tomorrow, I would lose no sleep over the matter. Neither would I celebrate, mind you, but I wouldn't be sad. These are the three things which irritate me the most. Given the chance, I would eliminate them from the face of the earth. And uh, I got an A-, and it says, well done, bit of invective, which I had to look up at the time. Thank you.
Relationships between kids and their parents can be complicated, to say the least. They can be complicated when we're kids, and they can stay that way well into adulthood. When Becky was 16, she wrote her dad a letter, and she gave it to him for Christmas that year. Nobody outside her family has ever heard this before, and you need to know that Becky is one of eight kids, and her father would introduce his children in a ranked order. I believe Becky is number one daughter, is that correct? Please welcome Becky, the number one daughter, to our stage. Number one daughter, number two child, that is. Dear Dad, well, it's Christmas Eve and I never found you a present. It's not that I didn't have money or didn't look. Believe me, I tried. I just couldn't find anything. I now know why. I don't know anything about you. I don't, I don't know what music you like, what you like to do, where you like to go, where you were born, etc. All I know about you is what Joyce has told me or what I can remember from when we used to be closer. I know you like to read science fiction books, but I'm too sentimental and feel that Christmas is too special to buy you a $4 paperback. Anyone can do that. Besides, I didn't want to buy you something you'd forget about and file away in a room full of others just like it. What do you buy for a man who appears to have everything? If I could, I would buy you a new kitchen or something like that. But would it bring us closer? That's what I want, Dad, to give you something that will help to break down the wall between us that has built up over years of misunderstanding each other and who we are. I feel the best gift I can give you that will help to break down the wall is a part of myself. I couldn't find any material item that could do that, so I decided to write this. Dad, there's so little we know about each other, and I hate that. The other night I said to Joyce that I did not think you and I would ever be close. I take those words back. How can I know that if I, that if I don't try? Right now I feel as if you and I are in, on two different planets and we are two different races of people. You being more factual, me being more emotional. For instance, you told me a couple of years ago that I couldn't have the same curfew Jason, number one son, number one child... <laughs> had when he was my age because I am a girl and studies show that girls get more aroused the later the night became (laughs) and I might get pregnant. Fact. Well, I was very insulted and hurt. Emotion. Because at that time, I had barely even kissed a guy, let alone anything else. Also, I felt you were looking at me as an average teenager, not Becky Broom, your daughter. As I write this down, I realize it's not all your fault that this wall is so high. When did I make the effort to tell you things? It's an ongoing circle of shut doors and trapped feelings I want to break. When I sit back and think about how little we know about each other, I get sad. I know what you want me to be academically. I know you wanted me to be thinner. Now I am. What else do you want? Now I'm trying to bring my marks up in school and I'm doing it for me. I'm trying to get thinner, and I'm doing that for me, too. Dad, I really like who I am. I'm a very open person. I want to show you that part of myself, but how? I hope this letter is a step in the right direction. I'm going to tell you some things about myself that I feel are very personal, things I feel may help us to become closer and accept each other for what we are, not what we want each other to be. Because I like who I am, and I'm not going to change, and you haven't changed so far, so I doubt you will. 
Besides, no one should change who they are unless they want to. I may not be the ideal daughter in your eyes, but I love who I am. Oh, about that curfew thing, you don't have to worry. I'm still a virgin. That's a personal thing. I don't want you to repeat. I feel you have to be in love to make love. And I have been in love, but I knew I wasn't emotionally ready for sex. I know myself pretty well inside, and my mind is very honest and open to itself. Another very personal thing. Uh, another very personal thing about myself is that I write poetry. I could spend hours writing and reading it. It is something no one can say is wrong or right. I don't show it to many people, but I keep it all in a book, and maybe someday we'll be close enough to go through it together. Right now, my poems are very personal, but there is one I'd like you to read. It's to you. I wrote it last April after we had a big argument. It was the third poem I ever wrote, so here it goes. A hug now and then. I try so hard. I never ask anything of you. What is wrong with me? What have I ever done to you? What does every, why does everyone seem to be so much better than me? I don't think they are. I really am a great person. Why won't you let me in? Why did you close the door in the first place? I don't want anything from you except maybe a hug now and then. Why is it always you against me? I guess I'll never know the answers to all my questions. One day I'll just be a faded memory. Then maybe you'll realize all I ever asked for was a hug. Dad, I fear the last three lines will come true, and I don't want that at all. So what do you say? Love always, your girl, forever and ever, and always and always, Becky. P.S. There's so much more I could say, but with time and doing things together, it'll all come out, I hope. I think I threw enough at you, and I can't rush things. I hope you understand. Maybe one day we'll be closer. That's what I want. That's my Christmas wish. P.P.S. I'm sorry about the paragraphing. There is none. What can I say? It's the holidays. Besides, this all just poured out, and I don't know where to start or stop. I hope I said enough for now, enough to start building the trust and understanding that will conquer the wall. Thank you. One more time for Becky, everybody. Becky wasn't the only reader at our Victoria show to share a poem, although the poems we heard from our next reader, Ellie, were very different from Becky's, both in tone and style. You see, when she was in grade nine, Ellie's class went on a school trip to Japan, and on the flight there, she wrote some short poems, including a few in the traditional Japanese form of haiku. And I was sitting next to a kid named Russell that I went to school with, and I, for some reason, didn't like him. So, Russell, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry. (laughs) The first haiku. Plane rides are boring when you sit next to Russell. (laughs) He is really weird. (laughs) Haiku number two. (laughs) I really have to pee. Jenny's watching Marley and me. Russell is a freak. And the last poem. How long have we been flying? I feel like I am dying. My butt is going numb from sitting on my bum. 
Russell's playing snake. The password is ball. I'm not a creeper at all. I hate Russell. <laughs> Thank you. When I was a kid, I don't think I ever bought a greeting card from the store. I would always make my own cards by hand and then write little messages inside them. My mom still has some of the cards that I made for her. When our next reader, Laureen, was a kid, she created a handmade birthday card for her sister. Now, this is a slightly unusual birthday card because inside it, Laureen wrote a short story. And as you listen to Laureen read this story... I want you to remember that this was supposed to be a birthday greeting for a family member. Here's Laureen. It starts with story time. The greedy mouse and the stinky girl. (laughs) Once upon a time, there was a girl named Desiree. She loved her little greedy mouse, but he didn't like Desiree. She didn't know that. One day, Desiree took her mouse for a walk. He got anything he wanted from Des. As Desiree walked, she farted. (laughs) She thought she farted, but she pooped her pants. (laughs) The smell smelled so bad, the mouse couldn't even take it, so he jumped on a peanut and went into her mouth. (laughs) Burp. The little girl burped so loud she got diarrhea. (laughs) This time, the mouse was so angry he bit her in the bum. Arg! She screamed. Her underwear must have been so big from the poop. (laughs) It sounded like a balloon pop. It was like an explosion. (laughs) Like a volcano eruption. The mouse got so sick, he farted. Now, today, Desiree's underwear remain in the Museum of Man and Nature because they're so big from the explosion. P.S. They weren't washed either. Happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you. Laureen has a line of self-published greeting cards, and if you're interested, you can talk to her at intermission. Victoria, that has been Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Huge round of applause for all of our readers. So, so good. Thanks for coming to listen. Thank you to Billy for doing sound tonight. Thank you to everybody here at the Victoria Event Center. Thank you to my wife, Jenna. Thank you to me, Dan Meisner. Stick around, say hello, get home safe, and dig up your own kid writing. We'll see you soon, Victoria. Good night.
look at the life I've been living lately. 